Hey, do you have an interesting story to tell about your life or your business and how you got into it? Maybe you know somebody who does, or maybe you've got an idea about a topic that might be interesting or funny to have a conversation about. Hey, if you do, shoot me an email to info at you don't say.net. Again, that's info at you don't say.net, or post a comment on our Facebook page. We're at YDS Stories. Again, that's YDS Stories on Facebook. And hey, maybe I'll be talking to you soon. This is Drew Zagorski. You're listening to You Don't Say. Thanks for that. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts or at youdontsay.net and share with your family, friends, and everyone else you know. The plague had just descended on us and everything was shutting down. Yet, life had to go on. People found new ways to work their jobs. Younger people went to school and were working on graduating and starting their careers. Children were born and new parents learned the joys of parenthood and new grandparents finally found bliss in the cooing of a young new grandchild. Sure, there was a heck of a lot of unrest in the world on top of the plague, but life went on. A young man awaiting his medical residency was planning a move with his wife, new son, and dog to the Wisconsin heartland. His wife was a teacher, and she'd just three weeks earlier given birth to their first child. They packed their worldly belongings into his parents' garage, the family home of nearly 30 years, and a town called Salem, where they would live until his residency began and suitable housing was found. It was April 15th, 2020. After he, his wife, the baby, and the dog went up to bed, his mom said to his dad how grateful she was that, despite the pandemic lockdown and everything else that was going on, they had this time with their new grandson and at least part of their family. They also had three other boys and a daughter. They were all out of the house at this point and beginning their own stories. While his parents talked about their good fortune, His mom noticed flames flickering in the stained glass of the front door. She thought it was a reflection from the fireplace where a fire was taking the chill out of a cold Wisconsin night, and within seconds the smoke alarms all went off, and their whole world changed. That mom is my sister, Amy Wagner, and this is her story, and she's here to share some of the most important things you need to know if you ever lose your home to a fire. So sit tight, and we'll be right back with our conversation. Direct mail. To a business owner, that only brings to mind big dollar signs and little return. Well, there's a better way to reach, stay in front of, and engage your customers, prospects, and cohorts. Constant contact, folks. Yep, I've used them for years for my businesses, and it works. And for pennies per contact as compared to direct mail. Subscriptions start at around 20 bucks a month. Constant Contact provides powerful email tools that include a library of awesome design templates, list management and reporting, event management, polls, and more. So, if you want to stay in front of your audience, Constant Contact has everything you need, and I'll make it easy for you. Simply go to constantcontact.com forward slash you don't say to start your free trial account today. You know, aren't there enough things that cost an arm and a leg when you're running a business? There's really no reason you should be spending five grand or more for a website unless it's doing some pretty whiz-bang stuff. With Squarespace, you don't have to, even with some whiz-bang. With plans starting as low as 12 bucks a month for a personal website, Squarespace has a library of professionally designed templates to start from with easy-to-use tools that let you customize your site to fit your brand. So get that site going today. Just go to youdontsay.net, look for the Squarespace logo on the homepage, click on it, and when you check out, put in the code PARTNER10, again that's PARTNER10, You'll save 10% off your first subscription on a website or a domain. 
And if you need help with your site, drop Left Brain Right Brain Marketing a call at lbrbm.com. Squarespace, it's the shortest, most cost-effective distance between here and success. So Amy, how are you doing? How's things in Wisconsin? I am doing well. It's a beautiful sunny day here. Not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, for our listeners, we're recording this uh, before 7 a.m. I live on the West Coast. And out here, it's already 77. Well, here... It's probably 70. I'll I'll trade with you. It's 8.30, 9 o'clock. Well, let's get into your story, okay? Okay. Um, I want to start in Chicago where you and your husband, Spence, were living with your young family. I want to say maybe Jake was born already. So you had two kids, two babies in the house. We had Sam and Luke were also born by the time we moved here. Yeah. So. And growing up, our family was all pretty Chicago-y. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in my life, I was never leaving Chicago was on my radar. Um, and while our parents had a vacation home outside of Lake Geneva, and that was a fun place to visit, wasn't some place that I ever thought of living myself. So what led you and Spence to seriously look at that place, that area, as a place to settle your family? Um, I was pregnant with... Our youngest son, Abel, so that would be five children. Mm-hmm. And we were living in a second story apartment that had a postage stamp backyard. And I think the icing on the cake was one day we were out with the kids taking a walk, and there was a drive by shooting Yikes. feet away from us. And we said, forget it, we need to go where there's land where the kids can run and and play and we don't have those worries. And we found our house and in the middle of a snowstorm, it wasn't even shown to us. We just continued to drive around. We got all the way up to Wisconsin and uh, the realtor called us as we crossed the border into Wisconsin to say, I'm canceling because the weather is so bad. So we drove Mm -hmm. around and found a for sale sign on this house And there were no other houses around it. There were probably 10 houses in this area at the time. Now there's about 100. But we needed a place to run for the kids to run. So we bought our home and the lot adjacent to it. And aside from the land aspect of it, what else made you fall in love with that house? I liked that the master bedroom was downstairs and the kids were all upstairs and that gave some privacy. It was open windows everywhere. The neighbors were really all young families around us. So there were kids for our kids to play with. And we, uh, two of our closest friends live right around the corner. So you move into the house and while I live out of state, for almost all of that history, your house turned into kind of the hub for holidays and our family. We're the, we have six kids in our family, that, that being you and I. So big family. We, we have a lot of relatives. Our dad is the youngest of nine and all of that. So share a little bit of the history of your home and the place it took in the family the extended family. So our house is is relatively big and can accommodate a party mm-hmm. with the addition of having an open side lot that gives us even more space in the summers to have gatherings. 
With the basement, there was place for guests to sleep downstairs as well. And our mom had holidays into her late 50s, and she was exhausted. And Spence might regret this today, having said our house should be the place where all the gathering goes on because we have the most kids and it will be the easiest for us not to have to pack up and go anywhere. So we became the gathering place. We hosted Christmas for 30 plus years. We used to have Easter also, Passover for Spence's family. We would do a Labor Day 24-hour party where you Mm -hmm. can come and camp out. So it just became that place. So needless to say, with all of that activity and all that life and all that family and all that laughter and celebrations, your home holds for you guys probably a ton more memories and good things in your lives than a typical family home where, you know, people might have gatherings once in a while, but it's not like in our family where you had 20, 30 people running around the house. Right. And, and the other thing is that if it was, there was a holiday and somebody had nowhere to go, that person was always welcome in our home. We even um, took in naval recruits for the holidays and had them come and join us for Christmas for several years in a row. And that was a really cool experience for our kids. Something we learned from our mom. Okay. So this is just truly the essence of a home. So now take us to April, 2020. Uh, We, the plague just came down on us and you and your oldest son, Jake and his young family, his wife, Kirby, their new son, Mac, their dog are living with you. What led to that situation? So Jake was in a year of clinical rotations. So Kirby came and lived with us that year because every six weeks he was in a different state in a different hospital. And she had a steady job teaching in an area grade school and she was pregnant with their first child. So she Mm -hmm. lived with us for that year while she worked. All of their worldly belongings were here. And then she gave birth to Mac on March 25th of 2020. Prior to that, we had a baby shower for her. Everything she needed for her baby was stored um, above our garage. And on April 15th of 2020, we just had this beautiful dinner. Kirby and Jake were upstairs. Kirby was taking some adorable pictures of Jake with Mac. Mm -hmm. It was just a beautiful evening together. We had a great meal. And Spence and I were sitting on the couch just kind of like, God, even though we're shut down, it's so beautiful that we get to be with them and see the first days of this new baby. And mid-discussion, I looked at our front door and I was wondering how the fire in the fireplace could be reflected in the front door. And I got up to look and saw that. Right. Because now, now the, the kind of the layout of your living room, you're probably sitting in the couch you're in right now or what Mm -hmm. used to be the place where the couch was. Mm -hmm. Um, And the door is kind of directly behind you and there's a little bit of an entryway. So your garage is on that side of the house. So the reflection I'm getting at is the reflection of the fireplace really isn't something you're going to see in that door, but you got no reason to think otherwise. Well, and we, 
to be honest, we were sitting on a love seat facing the front door. That's where okay. I saw the reflection. And I thought that's really odd that it would reflect on it like and make a right turn. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I noticed that our smoke alarm started going off, Jake bolted downstairs thinking something was burning in the oven. Spence ran around the island and saw smoke billowing in from the garage. And he mm-hmm. just started shouting, everybody out, everybody out. We bolted out of the house. Kirby had Mac wrapped. He was in pajamas with a blanket. It was probably 40 degrees out and pretty cold. This night. is like what, eight or nine o'clock? Uh, at 8 11 is when we made the phone okay. call to the fire department. So probably just after eight. Um, we bolted out the front door. By the time we got across the street and on our neighbor's lawn, the window we had just passed blew out. Wow. And then the garage doors collapsed and took our cars. Okay. So, so, so us- obviously the intensity of the fire was such that nobody was even thinking, let's get a hose. Right. No way. Yeah. No way. It was yeah. too, too much. Um, Spence did go next door and alert our neighbor who got out his hose and was hosing down his house because we were afraid it would jump to our right. neighbor, but none of us had shoes on coats. We just had the clothes on our back. I didn't even take my cell phone, which was sitting right by me. I went and grabbed the kitchen cell phone. Kirby had her phone, but that was it. And Jake and Spence were in shorts and and cut off t-shirts and we were freezing and Mm -hmm. it, it seemed like an eternity before help arrived. Um, we happened to have a deputy sheriff as a neighbor right behind us. So he was on the scene immediately, but then all of these area firehouses responded to the call and I can't even put into words what it is like to stand in front of your home of 27 years with the memories of all of your children and all of your life going away. And do you have any recollection of how long it was until the firefighters arrived? I think it was probably like five or six minutes. Okay. So not a long time. So now the four of you and the baby and the dog are out front. You started to talk a little bit about this. What's what goes through your head as you're witnessing all of this? I'm imagining you, there's no words. You're just staring. Or is anybody saying anything? I, I I know I was panicked and crying. And Jake kept telling me, it is what it is. We have to just be calm, mom, be calm. It, it, that's not going to change the situation. Our neighbor took Kirby and the baby and the dog into her house so they could be warm. Mm-hmm. And I called my son, Luke who lives in McGuanagoe because I knew he would and, have a car. And for, li- for listeners, McGuanagoe is probably 40 minutes away from you, 35, Correct. Yeah. And then I called my daughter, Grace, who lived in Cudahy, another 40 minutes in a different direction to come because we would need somewhere to be. So Luke, who has three kids, came with a car seat in his car and um, took Jake and Kirby to their house, Grace and Billy, my son-in-law stayed to help with whatever was needed. And and between Billy and Spence, they had 
the presence of mind to say, if we can get in, let's get what we can out of the bedroom. That is valuable because I had heirloom jewelry from our mother and from Spence's mom and a valuable portrait of our grandmother. Those were all things in our bedroom. The fire was headed in that direction. It didn't make it there, but the smoke was so intense and the water so heavy that the ceiling fell. Okay. So question, how long did it take for the firefighters to get control and ultimately put out the fire? I would say that they worked from eight until probably a little 10, 10 or 11 okay. before they felt like it was smoldering enough that it would be okay. Ironically, the two nights before and the night after our fire, the wind around here was really intense. That mm-hmm. was like the one calm night sandwiched in between very windy yeah. days. And then the fireman, a fireman came up to me and he said, we'll take you into the house. You can go into your bedroom and pick one thing that you really need. So this was not the next morning. This was the this night was of. that night. And so Spence and Billy got the, my jewelry box out and got any other valuables out of our bedroom. Cause that was like the place where we were allowed to go. All I wanted was socks. My feet were so cold. The fireman said, so what do you need? I said, I need some socks. My feet are freezing. He went into our closet, opened up a, a drawer. The wall of the closet closet had collapsed. And so he dug through, found my socks and dumped them into a garbage bag and gave them to me. Mm-hmm. So now you have some socks. Then uh, we had to be questioned by the fire chief mm-hmm. about how this fire started. Is there anybody in the community that has a vendetta against us? Uh, which was, it blew my mind to even like go into that thought process. Right. Um, and there was nothing. They investigated and we had two different trains of thought. The insurance company sent an investigator who said that, it likely started from the refrigerator that we had in the garage. The fire chief said it likely started from faulty electrical in an outlet in the garage. Spence and I choose the fireman's. Yeah. Deal. And and as you said, your garage was jam-packed with, with all of Jake and Kirby's belongings. Furniture, clothes, every mm-hmm. piece of life and living that they had with them was right. in that garage. So there was plenty of fuel to create a pretty intense fire. Correct. They had a minimal amount of things in our basement. And the only things that really survived intact were the things stored in two basement closets. The furniture that we had in the living room was all so badly smoke infested that we couldn't keep any of it. They did take our kitchen table and chairs, and that was really the only furniture that came back. Okay. So this kind of takes us into the next stage of this, where you and Spence and Jake and Kirby need to start figuring out a way forward. And to go into all of these details, honestly, we'd probably need eight or 10 more hours to Mm -hmm. cover all of it. So I don't want to get into a ton of detail, but cut to what you learned about in the process of dealing with the fire and the damage and the loss of property and how someone else can avoid the issues that you faced. Well, fortunately, I was surrounded by some pretty um, smart people who did a lot of thinking for 
me and Spence at that time because you it's very difficult to wrap your head around it. Our sister Sally came with a notebook and uh, like a ledger sheet and she said, just jot down everything you can think of. Um, she said, we need to start taking pictures of everything that's being tossed because we were able to come in certain areas the next day and you have to make an accounting for every single item that you lose in a fire down to half a shaker of salt, um, 17 t-shirts, five framed photos of family on the living room end table, um, right. you know, everything. And so when we opened up our pantry in the kitchen, Sally just started taking pictures of things for me. And she said, okay. get your phone. We have to take pictures. So when you get to that point, I mean, you're overwhelmed already. Mm-hmm. Right. And your mind's probably going in 10,000 different directions. And now you got to think about minutia like that. Right. And how you do you can, even, how do you even crack that code? You, honestly, you don't. I have a picture of myself during that process. Um, another friend of mine came, the neighbor who took us in for the, the week following the fire was there with her husband. People came and helped empty the garbage bags that were the pantry, the refrigerator, um, any cabinets in the kitchen pulling things out. There were things that could be saved, like our dishes, because those could be cleaned. Right. Um, the stainless steel pots and pans, those could be cleaned. But anything that the smoke permeated, like any Tupperware or even a lot of wooden surfaces, right. none of that could be saved. And I just remember thinking like, oh, I love that mug. I don't want that mug to be thrown away. Or mm. that's uh, I, that vase, we got that for our wedding. I mean, you think of the most random things that become suddenly so important. Right. And they're really not. Best advice in terms of handling that insurance claim thing, because that's pretty daunting. So two things I would recommend. First of all, review what your homeowner's insurance actually covers and make sure we were fortunate and unknowing that we had a clause in our insurance policy that um, if the rebuild of the house exceeds what the value at the time of the issuance of the policy was, that that, that gap is covered. Right. But and that's not that's not a standard thing. In an insurance I, I don't bank. believe it is. I've um, spoken so that's to something people. you got to check with your agent. Yeah, definitely check that you have some sort of clause in there that you, regardless of the cost, like kind quality is a term that you become very familiar with. Because if you have a good homeowners, then you're entitled to like kind quality of what you had. Now, you might not want what you had. We in the rebuild of our house, we didn't make it exactly the same because there's no way you can come back and try to recreate what you had. And one thing that the construction company that did our rebuild suggested was because we'd gone through such an intense loss, consider changing the floor plan a little because now would be your time. 
our house, once they got into it, they determined that it really should have been a total teardown, but they had already started the rebuild. And so they weren't going to spend more money now tearing it down and starting over. So I check your insurance policy. The other thing I would recommend is go through your home, open every drawer, every cabinet, and either take a video or take a snapshot of what you have everywhere. Because even looking in a drawer, even though it's full, you'll still have a very good idea of the things of yours that are in there. And one of the um, most heartbreaking aspects of your story when I heard it and it all came down is your daughter-in-law, Kirby. Her mother passed away when she was a kid. And if I'm not mistaken, the box of photos that she had of her mother was lost. Am I correct? No, this is a miracle story. Actually, they were stored above our garage. And when they were starting the clearing out, there was one shelf against a wall. And this is how crazy fire is. It didn't hit every single corner of the garage. There was one corner that had a stainless steel shelf. And there were some clothes right next to that stainless steel shelf in garment bags. And in that corner was our Uncle Ray's Santa Claus suit, untouched, the garment bag not even melted. And on the top of that shelf was the box of Kirby's photos of her mother. Don't let anybody ever say there's no such thing as angels. No kidding. No kidding. But that leads me to the thought of you don't think about it day to day. And and anybody of our age in our 50s, 60s, probably has boxes and boxes and book, you know, binders of photos, getting all of that digitized. Um, yeah, because in the world we live in, it's getting hotter and these things can happen more frequently, not just from electrical, but from just wildfires anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a company, I, I haven't done this yet at this point. There's a company called legacy box. Did you ever hear of them? Mm-mm. Anyway, you pack up all of your photos and videos. Doesn't matter if they're a beta max, you send the box to them and then they send you a quote. Uh, there's guarantee they're going to send it all back to you. So you'll have the originals, but they put everything on whatever format you want, a thumb drive, CDs, in a cloud storage, that sort of thing. So in the event you want to share it and you, you know, uh, you can send it to your kids or whatever. But anyway, I'll put a link to Legacy Box in the episode notes. Yeah. Um, just, so just a story about the photos. Yeah. The day before our fire, I opened up boxes and boxes of photos and was making piles for each of our kids. And the ceiling fell in part of the basement, the part of the basement where I had all of that stuff sorted out. And so all mm. of those were gone mm. because they were just damaged right. by water. That wasn't all of our photos, but it was a good chunk of them. Let's do a little math. Say you decide to save a few bucks by developing your branding by yourself because hiring a pro 
Well, that costs money. Okay, so you need a brand identity, story, and a website. The basics. Doing that would take about 30 hours if you got those kind of skills and know what you're doing. Now, how much is an hour of your time worth? Let's say $100. So the cost of your homemade branding is three grand. Nice. Who needs to hire someone for this stuff, right? Easy peasy. But here's the thing. Every hour you spend ironing out your message, conceiving the brand identity, then designing, building, and organizing the website, double that. Why? Because every hour you spend on it is an hour taken away from developing new and supporting existing clients. So now you got a $6,000 tab on your desk. And that's only if existing clients don't get a call back when they need you because you're head down trying to write copy when you're not really a copywriter. Maybe you even upset or lose a client along the way. So there's that cost too. And at the end of it, if you're not a branding pro, who knows if anything you've done is going to connect with the people you're trying to engage with. Odds are it won't and you have to go back to square one because things aren't happening. The phone is quiet. People aren't talking about your business except maybe to say to each other under their breath, have you seen that guy's website? Now that money-saving self-service branding effort might be costing you tens of thousands of dollars. So don't throw away all your valuable time, hard-earned money, and business. Just do it right from the get-go and hire a pro who brings decades of experience to the game. Someone who will exceed your expertise expectations while helping you engage with prospects, develop affinity with current clients, and grow your business and brand reputation. Give Drew Zagorski of Left Brain Right Brain Marketing a call today at 503-961-3647 or connect online at lbrbm.com. Again, that's 503-961-3647 and the website is lbrbm.com. But wait, there's more. For a limited time, I'm offering crazy pricing on website projects. So go to lbrbm.com forward slash crazy for details about an insane deal to get you that new or refreshed website. But act now, because I'm considering therapy. The right pro from the get-go. Left brain, right brain marketing. Call me today. Let's talk about securing your property. There's two sides to this that I'm thinking of. One is just the structure while you're you know, in the days following the fire and as the rebuild is going, um, how, how do you go about securing your property so that vandals don't come in, people don't come in and start taking things out? What are your thoughts about that? And then the second part of it is securing whatever property that you're able to retrieve to be restored or uh, stored and restored while you're rebuilding. So let's start so- with the building first. So the night of the fire, we needed to stay until a board up company came to board up any entry to our property. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put fencing around it. Okay. Um, the fencing, you know, if you got a couple guys, you could move the fencing, but the fencing kind of alerted the area, the people in the area that it's really not safe. And our neighbors were good enough. I, I suppose, depending on where you live, that will look very differently. And we had the good fortune of having a deputy sheriff live right behind us because there was somebody who was flying a drone over our property mm-hmm. looking for what might be in the backyard or what might be on the side of the house. And we had a really nice dolly that Spence had taken from the side of the house and one wrought iron chair and those kinds of things. You just people prey on other people's misfortune. Right. And that's really unfortunate, but securing whatever is salvageable, our insurance company, the um, claims adjuster enlisted a company called AVR, which was extremely expensive. 
I was told I would be able to see everything they're taking out of our house. So I would have an idea. They sent a crew of three men, one on each floor, and they were packing very quickly. I had no handle on what was being taken. And then the cost of them storing it and restoring what I requested was our kitchen table. Any any furniture item I wanted restored, I felt like everything else, the dishes I could take care of, the pots and pans I could take care of, um, that I would do myself. That said, our bill was still over $100,000 for that. Wow. In hindsight, I would have gotten a storage facility rented an ozone machine because that's how they get the smoke smell out is with an ozone machine and done it that way. And then in my own time, picked through and had restored Mm. the specific things I wanted. I mean, they took stuff like uh, stuff that was sitting in a, in a recycle bin in our kitchen. They took that and stored it. They stored wet photos with clothing and things that were, you know, so they didn't even dry things out. They just if I didn't them in a want box. it restored, they didn't dry it, and I didn't yeah. know what they had to even know what right. to request. I asked if I could see pictures of everything. They said, "Well, that will be an additional charge because then we have to unpack the boxes." And in hindsight, um, you're just trusting this company to bring back whatever it is they took. And I know that they took our grandmother's rocking chair mm. and that never came back. They said they don't have it. They don't know what happened to it. Right. And of course, they're working so fast and on different mm-hmm. levels. And there's one of you in the place at the time. There's no way for you to oversee what they're doing, let alone take pictures or. Right. So I, I would recommend that it, to anybody to make sure you have several people with you that you trust who can take photos, be with any kind of company that's taking the things out of your home or through with the guidance of some professional, do it yourself. But that's, it's daunting. So it's, I mean, honestly, the way it worked out is the way it worked out and there's no looking back, but gosh, if I could do it all over again with what I know now, I would do things differently. So real quick then, what is your, from you, your own experience, what does the first 48 hours, what do you need to be thinking about in the first 48 hours? So the first 48, you want to make sure that you have, first of all, have a place to sleep that has a shower. You have access to a set of clean clothes. Uh, I didn't have a toothbrush or a comb. And that was one of my friends came by the next morning and said, what do you need? I'm like, I need a comb and a toothbrush. I mm-hmm. don't have those things. So you need to think about that. You absolutely need to call your insurance company immediately, even if it means leaving a message because it's late at night. You want to contact them right away. You want to make sure. So, that so you- have your insurance company in your phone. Absolutely. In absolutely. everybody's phone. Right. Yeah. Um, make sure that you do have your property secured, even if I can't imagine that a fire chief is not going to say this needs to take place, but if they don't make sure of that, I would also alert um, the police service or the sheriff's service in your community that this has happened because in our case, they did additional drive-bys. 
we had people coming by who we didn't know videotaping our property Mm. and taking pictures and standing in front of it, taking pictures. Mm. And you're 24 hours into this. And how do you react to that? And you don't know what their intention is. So I would alert your fire department, not your fire department, your sheriff or your police department so that there's extra, you know, drive-bys in the area. Um, The other thing you need to do is secure a place to live now. While the rebuild is going on, our insurance company covered our monthly rent because we had that in our policy mm-hmm. that housing would be covered in the event of this kind of disaster. I believe that most homeowners policies have something like that, but I experienced a woman who had a fire on New Year's Eve and she got three days in a hotel from her insurance. That was it. So you want to make sure you have something like that. You need a place to stay and it needs to be somewhere close to your home, especially if it's going to be rebuilt. Most insurance policies are not going to let you move to another community. You rebuild on that site or you cut your losses and take whatever and move elsewhere. But And maybe even that homeowner's policy covering a rental car in in the event your car is torched. Well, and our car was totaled. and. We did get a rental car, but that was the auto insurance. That's not your homeowners. That was covered under our auto. And our biggest fear was being dropped by our insurance company. We had a really good insurance provider that's only available to Wisconsin educators, and they were covering our home and auto. So what a hit for them. Mm -hmm. And all along through the rebuild and purchasing two new cars, we kept asking, "Will uh, are, do you intend to drop us? Are you? And they said, we don't intend that you're going to have your house burned down again. We don't intend that you're going to have your cars in a fire. So we're not. And I know of at least two people who we've helped with our go bags whose insurance did drop them. So uh, the rebuilding process for you guys took a little over a year, right? All turned right. out well. Your home is beautiful. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it's the same footprint and almost the same floor plan. A wall was uh, taken out, um, Mm -hmm. which makes it really nice because there's more open floor plan on the main level. So it's all beautiful and it all turned out well. And ultimately, you guys got through the fire literally and figuratively, and you're in a good place now. So the next thing I want to get into is how you channeled all your energy and wisdom that you gained from this experience. And what, when did you first think about starting an organization to support people who are in need due to fire loss? So the, a, a few days after our fire, a woman who I'd never met in my neighborhood came up to me and said, I know your son and daughter-in-law lost all of the things for their baby. And I, Oh, by the way, I want to, I want to interject this too, because the kids, Jake and Kirby and their baby, they, like you said, they lost everything. And Mm -hmm. a young family like that, your other son-in-law, Billy started a GoFundMe page for them. They were able to land on their feet because of that. And they, Kirby and Jake have been active participants in our fire fund. they have reached out to a number of people to help 
maintain our mission in the community. Kirby was entrenched in the Kenosha community as a teacher. So they do outreach that way, but they, their intent is, is fully to pay it forward because they recognize the gift that they've been given, but um, they are involved personally with the fire fund. Okay. So Um, let's, let's, let's go back to that again and how this all started, how the fire was lit for the fund. Anyway, this woman came up to me who I didn't even know in our community. And she said, you know, I know that your son and daughter-in-law and grandson were escaped from the fire and they don't have anything. And I've contacted the mothers in the community and we have diapers and a stroller and a car seat and, and we will take care of the things that they need to get them through until they decide what they want to do. I was blown away. I didn't know this woman from Adam. And when I looked at that GoFundMe page and saw the generosity of people, I just felt like, and my school community too, they did so much to help me and Spence um, just with, here's a gift card for you to go buy some clothes. Here's, Here's a gift card so you don't have to worry about meals for the next week or two. They were bringing meals to the home where we stayed and uh, there was so much, you just don't know the people you affect until you know the people you affect because they yeah. show up. And I had a conversation with Spence that there is no way we could move into this house and just let that be the end of it. This kind of generosity has to be paid forward. And we learned so much through this that I know we can help people. And so we came up with the idea of the Wagner Family Fire Fund, and it really became a reality as I spoke to area fire chiefs. While the Red Cross is a great organization, there is not, there's a lag time of about 48 to 72 hours before they would connect with you if you lost your home to a fire, if they connect with you. You. While you're standing barefoot in 40 degree weather. Right. We, yeah. they didn't reach out to us at all. And I just recognize that there needs to be something that moment that tells you you're going to be okay for at least the next 48 while you try to figure things out. So we started the Wagner Family Fire Fund and really thought about all of the things that we needed in the first 48 hours. We needed clothes. We needed a place to stay. We needed meals. We needed your basic toiletry essentials. We needed something mindless to do. We, so we include a mental health packet, coloring book and crayons. I put socks in there because I needed socks. Mm-hmm. You have shampoo, conditioner, body wash, men and women's deodorant. Our dentist provided 500 dental care kits that include toothpaste, toothbrush, dental floss. So we have those in in our bag. And then you have two days worth of meals in restaurant gift cards. You have a two-night stay at an area hotel, and then you have a gift card for clothing. And we give these to the fire chiefs at the various firehouses. And when they give one, they notify me by email that one has been dropped, and then I, I replenish. We've had a very busy June Six bags went out in June, which is just a flurry of fires. But typically, we'll have a, a a few bags go out every month. 
Right. It's not like it was in June. So talk to me about your footprint with the fire fund. Who do you serve? And are there plans to grow that footprint? Or uh, the final piece of the question is, if someone is listening to this in Canton, Ohio, and they want to start a an organization out there similar to yours, how would they uh, connect with you to talk about that? So start with first your footprint. Who is it you're serving and what's the, you know, their, your coverage? So initially, because I had never run a nonprofit, I spoke with a woman in the area who had one and she said, you know, my husband and I will help you because he lost his home to a fire. So they helped me kind of wade through everything as far as the federal government and the state government getting a nonprofit up and running Mm -hmm. and recognized as a nonprofit. Our initial mission was to serve Western Kenosha County. And that's where we live. There are six fire departments in Western Kenosha County. So I thought, gosh, if I could help people in my own community, that would be huge. Well, over the course of this year, there were several times where people in Kenosha contacted me in Kenosha, the city of Kenosha, which is Eastern Kenosha County, asking what I could do. And because our mission and license says Western Kenosha County, I was like, well, I'm not really there yet. I can't, I mean, I will personally donate a gift card or whatever, but our fund was licensed for Western Kenosha County. This year, we are in, now that I have my legs under me, we're in a position to expand. So now we're covering the entire county. And on August 27th, we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary by providing our go bags to the city of Kenosha Fire Department and then the two suburbs of the city of Kenosha, their fire departments as well. So now we will be countywide. If somebody does want to do something like this, I am happy to have that discussion with them, offer them a template by way of the booklet I wrote, because the booklet is basically a workbook for somebody in the rebuild process that includes an A to Z on all the things that you need to know, places for you to take notes. Um, It includes our story and then the back cover of the booklet are resources in the area that will be important to you um, in the rebuild process. Um, So I am happy to provide a template. I've had individuals in Racine County, which is the just North of us ask me if I would expand there personally, I'm doing what I can handle, but I am happy to share and guide anyone. So here's a question on that booklet. Now that I assume goes into all of your go bags. is there any plan to offer that online for anybody uh, to make a donation and then to get a copy of the book? Well, now that you planted that seed, perhaps we'll have to discuss that. See, I'm a, a marketing guy idea. in my day job. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea. It really is. The only thing I would say, though, is that the resources obviously are local to Kenosha County, but right. at least the the idea of these are all the things that you're going to go through. That to me is universal. Might be a good premium for a donation. Yeah. You're, you're primarily based in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, the County of Kenosha. That's mm-hmm. where you serve. And how like, like, so you drop these go bags off and the firefighters have them in the truck. 
Yeah. Is the that fire, the idea? The fire chief keeps them in his in the trunk of his truck so that when they respond to a fire, if it's needed, they can give it right away. Um, I've also given our booklet to the sheriff department in Western Kenosha County. We are now having the booklet reprinted, updated to include resources in Kenosha proper, but I'm also having it printed in Spanish. So now the fire chiefs will have a copy in Spanish if they need that Mm -hmm. um, as well. Somebody like our older sister has recommended that I do a booklet on apartment for apartment dwellers. And that's a whole another area of need that I am, I am kind of mulling about now. Right. And that would tar, obviously there's a lot of people who are well off who live in apartments, but there's a whole lot of people too, who are not so well off and have fewer resources. Correct. And maybe facing uh, even a more catastrophic loss, even though it's not as large as somebody with a home like yours. Well, and I, I recently learned that the percentage of apartment dwellers that actually have renter's insurance is about 40%, which right. is startling. So, Amy, how how can people contribute or, or volunteer? So, we have a beautiful website called WagnerFamilyFireFund.org. Extremely can, well done. Extremely well done. You can, Wham, let's say that again, Wagner family, family fire fund.org. And we can thank left brain, right brain for that. What a great nice. company to work with. Um, anyway, Wagner family, fire fund.org. If you check out our website, you'll see what we're doing. You'll also um, have an opportunity to donate your time by leaving a message for us there. Um, you can also donate monetarily with, Venmo or PayPal right on the website. You can like us on Facebook. Um, Donations are not taken through Facebook, but you can interact with us there, message us there if you need to. Mm -hmm. We do have an event coming up August 27th at the Bristol Historical Society. That is your first first anniversary celebration. The Bristol, it's at the Bristol Bristol Historical Society in Uh, Bristol, Wisconsin. Correct. And we have, um, we'll be giving the Kenosha, Pleasant Prairie, and Summers Fire Department their go bags at one o'clock at that event. We have music featured by Chet Salenza and the Sweet Bev Perone Blues Band. Um, we're offering beer, wine, burgers, dogs, kids' games, lawn games, tours of the firehouse directly across the street, the Bristol Firehouse, and then we have a silent auction also. One of our greatest areas of need this year um, is gift cards in the amount of $35 to Kenosha area um, restaurants. Typically, we like to supply like Subway, Cousins, Panera, because when you're in this situation, you're not looking to sit down at a fancy restaurant. You want to grab something and go. Um, So that's, that's our biggest area of need. As if somebody wanted to do gift cards, otherwise the monetary donations allows us to purchase those ourselves. Um, and as a five hundred one c three, any donation you make, you'll receive a receipt for, and Correct. so that you can write it off on your own taxes, depending on what your tax laws are where you live. Correct. 
the event is this coming Saturday, August 27th, 2022. From what time? From noon to four. From noon to four, Bristol Historical Society in Bristol, Wisconsin. There's a, an event listed on the website at wagnerfamilyfirefund.org that you can link to to get all the details and the location and that sort of thing. It's also um, on our Facebook page. And on your Facebook page. Now, if uh, I'm a school or a business and I want to do a fundraiser to help support the charity, how does that work? Well, funny you should ask because this winter um, I came up with the idea of a safe quarter campaign. Part of what we do with our go bag is provide safe quarters for the first 48 um, hours after your event. And so I went to area schools and did a quarter collection, collecting quarters to provide safe quarters for families who lose their home to a fire. So we had Western Kenosha County area schools participated in that. And we raised money for probably three or four go bags. Texas Roadhouse is actually going to be doing a fundraiser for us on October 20th, where we will have uh, a little stand in their restaurant in Kenosha, right off the interstate. And there'll be information there about our organization. And if you say Wagner Family Fire Fund, then a percentage of your purchase that day goes to our fund. So businesses do things like that. We had an area pizza place do something similar. All the pizza sold that day. We got 10% of the profits. Nice. Um, so if, the other if, thing area businesses could do, uh, we use the um, basic toiletries. If, if there's a, a company that distributes those kinds of things and wants to donate shampoo or conditioner or body wash or deodorant, that's a great thing. Um, Jockey is donating socks for our bags this year. So, okay, I'm gonna have to start calling you socks. Yeah, anti socks. Yeah. Um, so, for businesses or schools or any other uh, church organizations, anything like that that wants to do a fire a fire fund fundraiser. They can go to the website, wagnerfamilyfirefund.org, mm-hmm. and fill out the contact form or call you to talk about how you can make that happen and how you can support them and provide some guidance on what they can do. And I'm happy to show up. I'm happy to show up and and talk. I put together... Um, my sister My sister Amy's not afraid of the spotlight. No. <laughs> um, I put together... A slot, well, kind of like slideshow slash video when we did the safe quarters campaign and introduced those. I had two different levels. One was for like pre K through second grade, and then third through eighth, and then a high school presentation. So, you know, I'm happy to do that. Anything else you want to share with folks about the fire fund or your wisdom gained? Well, I feel in a world where we see a lot of hate, let's spread love and be kind and pay it forward because the bottom line is we're all human and no matter what our, our preferences are in life, we need each other. And that's the bottom line. And, and the beauty that we experienced didn't have uh, a political agenda. It didn't have anything but kindness and generosity around it 
And if we really live in that vein, we're going to see so much um, improve in this world. Mm -hmm. Somebody once said in, in the worst situations, uh, that's where you see the best of people. It is and true. You guys saw it up close. We did. We were fortunate that in our lifetime, we were able to see it up close because I do think people go through their whole life and never recognize what's right in front of them. So here's the thing, lucky, being lucky. Uh, I, I don't even know where I saw this the other day or was having a conversation, but they, they had a situation where uh, somebody in their family was uh, horribly hurt and you know, they like emergency room, surgery, the whole nine yards. That person made it through and he was telling, saying that, you know, my wife said, oh, my God, we're so unlucky. And he's like, no, we're the luckiest people alive. He's still here, you know. That's exactly um, what we feel. Yeah. So, okay. I want to end this heavy conversation with a little bit of fun. Um, you having spent a couple of years in the film industry, I don't know if you're familiar with that show, uh, the actor studio. Yes. And, and they always ended. Well, the original host would always end with the Pavot questionnaire. So now's your turn. Okay. Ready? What's your favorite word? Good boy. It's two words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your least favorite word? The C word. Uh, what turns you on? Seeing my family around me and having a good time with my family. What turns you off? Vulgar flags hanging in front of people's homes. Enough said. What sound or noise do you love? This is really weird, but I was at the bank the other day and there was a lady who had a bracelet and just the way it was hitting the top of her desk was very relaxing to me and she just kept moving and I felt mesmerized <laughs> that I, I don't know what that's you know just the clinking of a little chain lightly on yeah, yeah, the tabletop yeah. and you just realized that's your favorite noise so I, that's good yeah well I also really love very soothing quiet classical music I play it every morning so that I love that sound okay what sound or noise do you hate? Screeching and screaming of people. What's your favorite curse word? Shit. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Writing. I'd like to be an author. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? Garbage man. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Come on in. All right. Well. Amy, I, I appreciate you sharing a very hard story and being an open book about it so that other people might have an easier path if they're faced with this. So uh, I think the work you're doing with the Fire Fund is fantastic, and I'm very proud of you and all your kids for being part of that. And uh, I wear my T-shirt proudly everywhere. So thanks for coming on and telling the story. Folks, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to You Don't Say wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your family and friends. I welcome your feedback on Facebook and Instagram at YDS Stories and on LinkedIn at Drew Zagorski. That's me. I'm Drew Zagorski. She's Amy Wagner of the Wagner Family Fire Fund at 
www.wagnerfamilyfirefund.org. Thanks for listening to You Don't Say. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening. And that's all for this episode. To listen to more episodes of YDS, visit youdontsay.net. If you know someone who you think would be an interesting interview or an interesting topic that you'd like to hear a conversation about, send your ideas and other feedback to info at youdontsay.net. I'm Drew Zagorski, and I'll see you on the next episode.